It's Morning Edition on NHPR. I'm Rick Ganley, and it's time for the New Hampshire News Recap. We'll get into this week's top headlines. Governor Chris Nunu gave his third State of the State address yesterday, and the House and Senate met this week to vote on a number of different bills. Here to provide us with an update on what's happening at the State House is NHPR's senior political reporter Josh Rogers and Anne-Marie Timmons, senior reporter for the New Hampshire News Bulletin. Good morning to you both. Thanks for coming in. Good, Good to be mo- here. Good morning. Here, uh, let's get into some of these bills first that were approved by lawmakers this week. There's a lot here. Uh, I know the House narrowly gave preliminary approval to a bill on Thursday that adds exemptions to the state's new 24-week abortion ban. Anne-Marie, I want to ask you first, what are those exemptions and, and what was the debate like yesterday? The exemptions would add um, you could have an abortion after 24 weeks in the case of incest, rape, or a fatal fetal diagnosis. And that bill came to the floor with those stripped out of it. It had become just a bill about ultrasound uh, clarification around that requirement. And so there was a bit of a surprise. There was a few votes. There were the, the amendment from the committee failed, and then it was tabled, then it came off the table. And it did make it through eventually, so it heads to finance next. So it's not over. But during the debate yesterday, and even in reaction after from those opposed to the bill, there was a, a fair amount of misinformation about, especially the fetal fatal diagnosis piece, you know, a, a essentially you often don't know that until 18, 22, or later into your pregnancy, and then it, you're up against the deadline. And folks yesterday from the House floor said, you know, you can know that by 15 weeks, and so you have plenty of time to make that decision. And that's just not true. And there have also been continual comparisons of what passed yesterday um, com- uh, or what the, what the underlying current law is to statutes in other states that, that don't quite hold up, and those were made on the floor and afterwards by uh, the majority leader of the House. And, you know, as Amory says, it goes to finance, and they're just supposed to be considering the, the fiscal implications, and it comes back to the House for a full vote. Um, and yeah, what, what, so, what, what are the, the chances there, though? Well, it's. I mean, this this is definitely not over. I mean, this was like what was the what was the vote? Four vote, four, four votes. Yeah. You know, the attendance yeah. of the House, four hundred members. You know, we had one member who was out cold or, or like incapacitated during the vote because uh, he fell out of a chair. Um, you know, we don't know. And then even if it gets out of the House, what this happen? What happens with this bill in the Senate is right. going to be interesting because um, the Senate has already rejected similar um, modifications to current law, and you would need three. Republican votes to flip. And so there's a lot of open questions about their trajectory. But I, I will say this surprised me a bit. Yeah, yeah, it did. I think um, for the other side who's trying to get this through, they'll have to fight against this misinformation campaign, which isn't comparing to Massachusetts, California, New York. Um, it's dissimilar in significant ways. New York and Massachusetts have both dropped their criminal penalties. Uh, New Hampshire has it still. And um, both have exceptions for fetal fatal diagnosis. So th- that's a real, um, it's a mischaracterization of the two, the three states' laws. I mean, it is worth pointing out that this bill was drafted and sponsored by Republicans and does have the backing of Governor Sununu. So we'll see what happens. Okay, we'll see what the prospects are when it does come back to Senate. Uh, lawmakers are approving new legislative maps this year as part of the GOP-led redistricting process. The proposals have been criticized for gerrymandering. Josh, what do we have for updates for for that this week? Well, the, the state Senate passed its maps, uh, which, you know, isn't surprising of party line vote. Um, these maps likely advantage Republicans, which is no surprise of Republicans drew the maps. And, you know, while in many ways the implications of the districts in the state Senate um, have historically had potentially more consequential um, 
effects on people's daily lives in New Hampshire than congressional redistricting might. Uh, you know, a lot of the attention has been on those congressional maps, which passed the House uh, that, you know, redrew these districts pretty significantly. Twenty five percent of the population would move from one district to another. It essentially creates a, a very GOP friendly district in the first now held by Democrat Chris Pappas makes a second district, which has been held by uh, Congressman Andy Custer for you know, several terms, um, more Democratic. The governor said he'd like something that um, made both districts more competitive. Uh, my understanding is there is a, a kind of proposal uh, under wraps that's out there that may be aired in the Senate's committee at some point. But my understanding is the chairman of the, the Senate redistrict, the Senate Elected Law Committee, uh, Jim Gray of Rochester, is in no hurry to act. And so this is going to be interesting to watch because if the Senate um, mucks with the House's maps, that's not something that typically happens. The House is very pleased with the maps it drew, and you know we could get into a kind of a tit for tat situation. But there's a lot. There's a lot that needs to happen. Yeah, but you know it's interesting because, and we're going to get, we're going to get to the governor's state of the state address in, in a moment. But I think it is worth noting that he, the governor did not mention redistricting at all during the speech yesterday. Well, I mean, I was not surprised by that. Like, I don't think he wants to uh, necessarily uh, wade in there at this moment um, conspicuously. Certainly, redistricting is something that people who are very closely tied to politics watch. It's a big topic in the building. Um, having written multiple stories on redistricting, you go out into the world, and um, this is not something that's like uppermost on the minds of, of your average voter. So I guess I wasn't surprised to, to hear, to not hear uh, redistricting, but uh, it is going to be interesting to see whether the governor takes a more public position than what he has thus far, which is like, well, I'd like some different maps. And, you know, I told them to look at it if he gets a little bit more specific. Or if he'll ultimately go along with his party. Yeah. Uh, the House voted in favor of a bill that would require the Department of Health and Human Services uh, to advertise that folks can remove their names from the state's new vaccine registry this week. Anne-Marie, tell us more about that. This bill is quite a squaled back version of where it started. Initially, the department would have had to try to contact all 750,000 people vaccinated during this emergency order period um, three times. And if they didn't reply, they'd be removed from the, the registry and with it, their only medical record really of the vaccine. So now they just have to do an advertising campaign um, several months. And if people don't respond, they remain. And if they do, they can have their information taken out. Um, but they can already do that. If you were to Google withdraw from New Hampshire registry, you would get taken to the form to do that already. There is a second bill that seems to be gaining some steam, which would make our registry going forward opt in rather than opt out, which is a it's more people decline if they're asked to join something. Um, and we would be one of four states that, that did that um, public health officials generally feel that that makes the registry um, far less useful, if useful at all. Um, but that that's moving forward. The governor has said previously that he would um, go for that if it reached his desk. So we'll see where that goes. And this is part of uh, there were many bills. I think at least thirty COVID-related vaccine-related bills in the legislature this session. Which ones didn't make it through? A couple um, were killed this week. One uh, would have awarded. Pretty much anyone, $250,000 grants to study the effects of the vaccine on the human body that was uh, sent to ITL. And then secondly, um, there was a request that natural immunity be taught in schools as a way to keep yourself healthy. This was brought by people who have fought the vaccine uh, mandates. And ultimately, the committee said, you know, wellness is already taught in schools. We don't need to 
pass a law to mm. require this. Um, and then a third, the third bill um, that's going through, maybe it was put to study, we'll see what happens, would have disallowed any businesses from requiring masks or proof of vaccinations to get into um, their venue. So that's still alive. It becomes harder to pull off the table as we move closer to crossover day, but... Um, I mean, I think one thing to to watch on this is what kind of bill. I mean, I think a bill is likely to emerge, and you know, maybe one has in the House, um, mm-hmm. create, carving out essentially a right of conscience for people to decline um, vaccines for kind of whatever reason you want. It needn't be a religious or a health reason, and this is something that you know Governor Sununu doesn't like, but a lot of Republicans, particularly in the House, mm-hmm. uh, deeply favor. And that did pass yesterday by one or two votes that nursing homes now would not would have to add that conscientious objector exemption. Essentially to their takes the teeth rules. out of any mandate. It well, does. which yeah. could, it could put Medicaid money at risk, mm-hmm. too, for yeah. the counties. It's hard to know how, how real yeah. that threat would actually mm-hmm. be. But. We'll be keeping an eye on, on what is happening with some of those bills. This is Morning Edition on NHPR. We're recapping this week's news with New Hampshire Bulletin's Emery Timmons and NHPR's Josh Rogers. Let's uh, move over to uh, talk about the governor's State of the State address yesterday. Plenty there. Josh, um, what were some of the, the main takeaways for you? Well, uh, you know, in many ways, this was in keeping with messages the governor's, you know, sounded for some time, um, you know, an absolute faith in the wisdom of cutting taxes, uh, a deep sense of that sort of New Hampshire is the gold standard and on kind of whatever, uh, in whatever category, uh, you know, you know, the governor chose to name it was like public safety, uh, mental health, uh, you know, employment. Um you know, and one thing that stuck out to me yesterday was that, you know, when the governor was talking about, as he, as he likes to say, that the, the state is, quote, downshifted cash to, to municipalities and that he, that he was actually, I thought this was interesting, he was actually urging citizens, you know, it's town meeting season. If you're not getting a tax rate reduction in your town, go to the town meeting and fight for it. I don't think I've ever heard a, a governor um exhort people to do that. But but in many ways, it's very much in keeping with the themes the governor has talked about, individual empowerment, um, you know, tax cutting. And, you know, there were some new proposals rolled out. What about you, Emory? What, what stuck, uh, struck, stuck out for you? Um, I would agree with Josh. I, I've had that same impression. In, in a more specific example, uh, we didn't, I didn't know there was a veterans campus coming to Franklin. There's 21 million proposed to build this 15-acre campus uh, for essentially uh, respite housing, but assisted or transitional housing there with lots of therapy, including equine therapy and pet therapy. Um, so that seems to be in the planning already. And once funding's approved, I think it would take another uh, year and a half or so to come online. But Franklin is excited about that. Um, and I, I didn't know that was in the works. Maybe no, I, I did not. And like the other, the other big thing he rolled out yesterday was uh, sort of $100 million in federal funding. And that was another dynamic in the speech. There was lots of sort of denigration of Washington, but there was lots of program they talked about that would only be made possible by federal because funding. Of those which federal is programs. Not, you know, again, yeah. this is hardly shocking that a, that a governor would, would, would do that. But he's talking about $100 million in incentives to, to build more multifamily housing in New Hampshire. Um, 
you know, $60 million would be grants to developers who have projects in the works. There'd be, I think, $30 million for towns that might expedite permitting and, you know, $5 million for demolition costs for blighted buildings and, and another $5 million for planning. Um, you know, it was interesting. The governor really has – this has been something he's focused on for some time, and he understands it's a problem, uh, workforce housing, that it could that it could crimp the economy. I mean, it was interesting that he, at one point he said that, you know, this, this program, New Hampshire needs to um, – He'd be also working to quote preserve who we are, and so it's it's hard to know exactly what that means. But um, this is definitely going to be a policy area to watch. Mm. Now, near the end of the speech, a member of the legislature had a medical emergency that forced the governor to stop um, a bit early. Emery, what happened there? He was um, pretty close. He was railing against social media and not to get your information from social media or or wage your battles on social media or cable news and the next line he was that he had one line left which was listen to your neighbors and let's try to get along i mean the governor does like to go on cable news a lot and uh, those of us who recall the super 603 tour knows that he's not shy on social media either but you know it is interesting i do think it's a recognition that you know you know somewhat a, a lot of people are sort of turned off by what they're seeing uh at the state house i mean the governor's had the personal experience of had you know, COVID anti-vaccine protesters outside his house interrupting his prior, you know, to cancel his inauguration. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, there's something to that. I mean, he said it was on both sides, but, you know, certainly a lot of the extreme policies right now are, are sort of coming from from Republicans. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we're going to have to leave it at there. NHPR's Josh Rogers and New Hampshire Bulletin's Emory Timmons. Thank you both so much for coming into the studio today. You're welcome, Rick. Thank you. You can find their work at NHPR.org and NewHampshireBulletin.com. And if you missed any part of today's segment or if you want to catch up on previous weeks, you can find the New Hampshire News Recap wherever you get your podcasts. And we will be here next Friday with more top headlines in the New Hampshire News Recap. I'm Rick Ganley. This is Morning Edition from NHPR.